morning. It's good to see you guys. Welcome to the porch. We're really glad you're here today. If this happens to be your first time, a very special welcome to you. We are glad that you're here today. I'm Shannon. Uh, you've already met some of our people. You met our worship pastor and student pastor Justin up here. You heard from our kids pastor Kristen in the video and our media pastor's back there in the back doing what he does and, and I get to be up here doing what I do. So, But we're glad you're here. Hello to those joining us online as well. We have had an amazing weekend called the Journey Weekend. So um, a lot of our, our, well, our fifth, sixth, and seventh grade students had a great time together um, talking about God and all that that entails. Wow. I don't think we covered it all, but we made a really good start to it. Um, before I get into today's message, I did want to say a couple of thank yous because we had a weekend like this doesn't happen without a whole lot of help. So um, first, I would love to thank our um, small group leaders and our leaders. If you guys would stand up, we just want to say thank you to you for leading this weekend, giving your time and your energy. You gave all your energy. I know you don't have much left. They're on crowd control currently, sitting on the ends of the rows the students are in. So we don't have any escapees. Um, we also um, ate some food this weekend, and we had some wonderful community groups provide food. So if, you're, if you are one of the community groups that provided food, would you stand up? We want to say a thank you to you. If you're in one of those groups, it wasn't all Katie Reagan, I know that, all around here. Thank you. Snacks and meals and all that. And I know some of them were at the 930 service as well. Um, and, and then our kiddos. Hey, you guys stand up. I know you got all cozy. And I said, we love you guys. Thank you, guys. And thank you, parents, for making, making them be here, <laughs> for having them here. We're working on a lack of sleep, so who knows what I'm going to say today. Um, no, but really, thank you for having them here, parents, and um, I hope that um, the conversations that happen, maybe not necessarily today, but in the days to come, uh, you will be able to hear from them and, and hear the conversation, to have the conversations of, of some depth of, of understanding and things. So I just, yeah, it's been a really good time. I've really enjoyed being with all of you guys. So we're starting this new series, right? Toxic Theology with the creepy intro video, um, which is, it really is kind of, I mean, it totally plays off the, the temptation, you know, and the, what was it, uh, what was the show? What was it? Once, yeah, that kind of take on that. But like, I mean, that's, it, we're going into this, but listen, I, and I mentioned this in the last series we did called The Bible, and that we, this was really just an easy transition because we ended last series with the whole conversation about context and how we can take scripture out of context and misapply it. I talked about one particular verse in the message and then in our community groups we looked at several other verses that have been taken out of context and we're just kind of making an easy step into the next part of the conversation talking about theology that can actually be toxic. And the reason that happens is because if we, if we don't look at Scripture through the right lens, and if we don't have the right posture in our heart and our spirit and in our mind, then we can take theology and we can use it in a way that can become toxic. So, as it, those of you that have been around and heard me speak, you know I like to have definitions of words before we just start using them a lot. So, here's the definition of theology. Theology. The, the definition for theology, theology, it's a Greek word, it's a combination, it combines uh, theo 
theos and logos, and you put them together and you get theology. Theos is God, and logos is the word of God or God's word or the study of God's word all put together. And so when you put theology together, you get the definition, the word about God or the study of God. And so in that regard, you know, sometimes we talk about like people in the church, we're like, well, I'm no great theologian or I'm no theologian. And the reality is, is if you are a person who studies the word of God, you are a theologian. So now you can use that as a title if you want. You know, put it on your business cards or whatever. So, um, so theology is the word about God or the study of God. So here's what I mean and what we in, intend by that, okay? As Christians, right, people who claim Jesus as Savior, this study of God that's found in our Bible, this the God's word that we have, our understanding, what it means, it's, it's understanding his deity, understanding, uh, you know, he's father, he's son, he is Holy Spirit, he is God in three persons, he's the Holy Trinity, understanding his nature, understanding his purpose and his attributes and, and his relationship to the world that he's created and, and other beings and all this, this should be, as Christians, we should be people who look at God's word and together we have a a pretty agreed-upon understanding of these things, all right? These are the, the solid basics of, of our doctrine and understanding is this is who God is. Now, the series is called Toxic Theology, so let's look at a definition of what a toxin is. What would make something toxic? Well, a toxin would, and a toxin, a definition, is a poisonous substance causing illness or disease when introduced into the body, and that can be a human body, it can be a body of water, it can be like anything that is, that is not good for, for um, the health of something, if it's introduced into it, it creates illness. So that's what a toxin is, right? So now we have the definition of theology and what a toxin is, and now let's have our definition for toxic theology. And this is what we have for you. It's a false teaching about things of God or a bad practice in the name of God that causes spiritual illness. Toxic theology. Toxic theology. There was a study done about 17 years ago, uh, which you think, well, that's a really long time ago for a study. How about something more current? But uh, there's a reason I'm mentioning it. And it was you, the study was done of 3,000 teenagers who professed to be Christians. 3,000 teenagers. And uh, this, this study was, okay, they wanted to know, all right, you profess Jesus. Tell us about this profession. Tell us about this understanding. And what the researchers found is that the doctrines of Christianity, right, the, those basis, those things of the deity and the nature of God and, 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 and sin and heaven and hell and all those things, you know, Trinity, you know, all of that, um, these historic doctrines were the those these believers, these 3,000 teenagers, didn't know any of that stuff. They were not able to tell you anything about what justifying grace meant or sanctifying grace or what sin was and the fact that sin, when you boil it all down, is just about one word, which is what, students? Disobedience. Those were the ones that are awake. The rest are asleep. They couldn't, in the study, they couldn't, they couldn't say these things. They couldn't verbalize these things. And instead, what they found when they asked these teenagers, like, so tell us, what, what are your beliefs? Tell us. 
And here's what they came, this was after the researchers did all this study, it came down to three main topics that they were able to put into ca- three categories they were to put the answers in into. <laughs> and it was about this. This is what the teenagers that they, stu- that they re- uh, surveyed said about their faith in God, being a Christian. It was about seeking happiness in their life. That was one of their, their theological things to stand on. Want to be happy? It was about being nice, being a kind person. And it was about one day going to heaven. That's what these 3,000 students, when surveyed, when they were asked about their beliefs, Christian beliefs, that's what it came down to. Being happy, being nice, going to heaven one day. So, um, this 17-year-old study found that these teenagers, American teenagers, were completely inarticulate in being able to say anything about their beliefs, and most were unable to offer any kind of theological understanding. So, here's the real question. Was this true of just teenagers 17 years ago? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think that was a, just a teenage problem. I mean, obviously, these teenagers had to get this understanding from somewhere. Culture, sure. Parents. Other, other people. The church. I mean, so like 17 years ago, and here's why I mention it, because you're going, how, is there a newer study that you could throw in here? But here's the deal. I don't think that it's just a teenage issue and I think it's still true today in many, in many cases that that's kind of our understanding is let's just be, let's, let's pursue our happiness and let's be nice and, and then let's all just go to heaven one day. And um, that's kind of our mentality because we're now, those 17 years ago, those teenagers are now in their late 20s, early 30s, mid 30s. Am I starting to get close to some of you? And so, like, we're in at least, I I mean, second generation if you're just basing it on this. And I think it's even more than that. Second generation of a theology, it's like, just I just want to be happy. I want to be nice. And I want to go to heaven one day. So what we find, if this study is even remotely accurate, is that... Just in our country, it's it largely considers itself Christian, is that we, we believe in some form of God that's got a heaven, you know, and hopefully old St. Pete will let us in the pearly gates one day, you know. But in the meantime, let's just um, do whatever we can do to pursue being happy, doing whatever makes us happy, finding what makes us happy, finding who makes us happy, finding the career that makes us happy, getting the certain amount of income that can make us happy. Let's pursue happiness as much as we can, and then let's be nice, at least to people's faces, right? And then, and then we'll all just hope that Peter flings the gate wide and we get to walk in. And this is exactly why this, this survey, this understanding, all that, is exactly why the need for what we have done this weekend, your, your staff and these leaders have spent the weekend with these 32, 10, 11, 12, couple of 13-year-olds. Because we want to do our part to help equip them with good theology, with a, a good biblical understanding of who God is 
what God has for them, what it means for them to walk out this journey of faith. And, of course, it's not just for them. It's not like, well, I hope the good thing you're teaching those kids. Like, we need this. We need this understanding. We need to get this. Right? We, we've talked this weekend about, about sanctifying grace and justifying grace and prevenient grace. That's the grace that does what? It goes before. That's what they said, I promise you. This morning they went over the Apostles' Creed, those, those ancient, the ancient, good, strong words that declare what we believe about God and the church and who he is and what he's done for us through Jesus Christ. We've talked about these things. We've, we've dedicated this time to them. And this is why we've done it. And, and, and this is, goes bigger than the students, okay? There is, a, there is toxic theology there is a toxic theology that's prevalent in our world. And I wish I could just say there's, it's, just one, it's just one toxic theology and let's name it and let's all run away from it. But that's not the case. It's, a whole, it's everywhere. I mean, I would think that probably by the end of this series, we'll all kind of go, oh, I think I have a little sprinkle of that, that, that toxic theology in, in, in my own theology, in my own understanding of who God is. We want to be able to identify this, identify this, right? We don't want to be people who are just like, I just want to be happy, and I'll just try to be nice when it's appropriate, you know, when, when I have to be, and then I can get to heaven. Like, we want to move beyond that into the depth of what God has for us. This is, this is what 2 Timothy chapter 4 says. Um, Paul writing to Timothy, you know, encouraging him as he's leading the church. And I'm going to read to you a passage uh, from the version, the Amplified Bible. Um, I love the Amplified Bible because it's, it's what the word says, Amplified. And what it does is it takes the meaning and definition of words and it kind of, it kind of gives it a little oomph. You know, so you almost feel like you're hearing it said twice sometimes. Um, but I love how this is written. This is Paul writing and, it, and this, I mean, this, he's describing how toxic theology becomes a thing. Like why? Because listen, the word toxic is not like who wants a toxin? Who wants something that's going to get into their body and create illness or do something that would be bad? No one's like, hey, can I get some of that toxin over here? You know, we don't want that. None of us want it, but we receive it. We do take it in. And Paul's explaining why that happens. And one of the reasons is because we don't recognize it as toxic. This is what Paul, this is what Paul writes. He says, beginning in verse 3 of 2 Timothy 4, he says, for the time will come when people will not tolerate sound doctrine and accurate instruction that challenges them with God's truth, but wanting to have their ears tickled with something pleasing. They will accumulate for themselves many teachers, one after another, chosen to satisfy their own desires and to support the errors they hold and will turn their ears away from the truth and will wander off into myths and man-made fictions and will accept the unacceptable. How, do we receive, how, how is it that we could end up receiving a, a, and taking on a toxic theology? How is it that we would allow toxins spiritually to get into our lives? It's because we have the propensity to go, I want to hear what I want to hear. I want, I want my ears tickled. I want to hear what I like. And you know what? And if I'm not hearing what I'm like, I'm going to go find another teacher. 
And if I'm not hearing what I like with that teacher, I'm going to go find another teacher until I hear what I like and it upholds what I believe. And this is how toxic theology occurs and happens. And Paul wrote about it in the Bible. So when we're going, well, goodness, 17 years ago on a survey, I mean, certainly we've gotten better since then. No, it's been a problem since the beginning. Toxic theology. Now, this toxic theology, as I mentioned, it it has, I wish I could just say it's one thing and let's all run away, but we can't. It has a lot of names, and we're not even going to address them all. There's no way we can, but we're going to kind of go big picture with these, and I think what you would find as we look at some of these over the next few weeks is, yeah, there'll be some subcategories that could fall in there, but we're going to kind of cover some of the bigger ones. There's there's a, a, a term you may or may not have heard of. Um, therapeutic moralistic deism. Woo. Okay. I mean, the, the really, really basic, and I'm just going to give you, this is like a quick overview of kind of where we're going over the next few weeks. I mean, the really simple definition of this would be um, everyone just be the good citizen. Just work on being very moral and upright, you know, and respected. And, and, and just, you know, do, do that, you know, do your best, um, you know, read the, read the self-help books and do those things and, and do your Monday, what is it, the Monday motivations and, and go for that and that, there you go. And, and turn that into a theology of, well, that's how I'm going to live my life. And then there's something that I, I think a lot of you have heard of and it's this, these are all isms, by the way. So therapeutic moralism, moralistic deism. And then we've got universalism. And that's the whole just, hey, um, you know, love yourself and love other people, and we'll all be just fine in the end. We'll all get there. It's all just, it's all love. It's all love, everything, and we'll just all just be lovey and all that, right? And then there's uh, relativism and subjectivism. Those are really close cousins. And, and that is the, the idea that it's, it's going, okay, I'm going to define my truth. And then I'm going to live that truth that I've just defined. See, whether you knew the names or not, over the next couple of weeks, what you'll find is that some of us might have, we, I think we'll, we'll recognize some of these. And we might come to the point where we go, oh, I think I have a little bit of that in my own theology. And I, and I, wanna, I, don't, I don't want that. I want, I, want, I want sound doctrine that Paul writes about. I want, I want, the sound, I want God's word. I want his word to rule my life and direct me and lead me. And so to begin to recognize these toxic isms, we, we, we must begin with sound doctrine. We must begin with, with good theology. Listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, um, he uses the word in our English translation, which comes out as message. But when we look at the original language... Of course, his, he was in Aramaic, but when we receive it, it gets to Greek and then to English. Um, that it, it ends up being, he really meant doctrine. He meant his sound teaching, his good teaching, God teaching, right? This is what he means. And he says this in verse 16 of John chapter 7. He says, so Jesus told them, and here's what he says, my message, doctrine, is not my own. 
Now, Jesus didn't have to say that. Jesus is the son of God, but he was still kind of presenting himself to the world, right? He was still making himself known to people. So maybe there was people still there going, I don't know about this Jesus guy. Like, who is he really? So he's making a point here. He says, my message is not my own. I think most of us in here would go, I'll take a Jesus message. <laughs> but he's, he's making a point. It's not my message. It comes from God who sent me. So if there was anyone that was listening to him that was like, I don't know about you, he's like, my message, my doctrine is God's doctrine. In verse 17, he says, anyone who wants to do the will of God will know whether my teaching doctrine is from God or merely my own. Again, on this side of history, we're going, we'll take some Jesus, we're, we're good with that. But he wants the listening audience in that time, in that context to know my doctrine is God's doctrine. And I'm living it out. And I want you to know this. I want you to know this teaching. I want you to receive this teaching and live this teaching and apply this teaching to your life. And this is where I mentioned a minute ago what our students did this morning is they walked through the Apostles' Creed. I mean, this is an ancient document, an ancient uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? I really am tired. <laughs> But like this opportunity for the church to say this together, right? It summarizes both the gospel and, and core Christian doctrine is what it does. And it's, and it's, I would say, precisely why the church needs this because it clearly defines Christianity in biblical terms, not just, hey, what do you think, right? The Apostles' Creed provides this as a guide to us. And when you think about it, here's what the Apostles' Creed is. If any of you don't know what the Apostles' Creed is, it's the most historic and universal summary of the Christian faith in the entire history of the church. I mean, it's been around a long, long, long time. 2,000 years, just under 2,000 years that this has been around. It instructs, the Creed does. It guides, it defends the most important information about who God is of all time. So this is, this is, the creed is really important. And so just like our students went over it this morning, I want to take a few moments, not necessarily, we're not going to walk through line by line, but I would like us to say this creed together. So would you stand with me? And together, let's say this creed declaring this good, sound doctrine that declares the, the truths of the church and those who are part of the church. Let's say this together. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and will come again to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Woo, that's some good stuff. Declaring the truths of the church. Declaring this good doctrine, and Christians have believed this and confessed these core doctrines for centuries. 
And I will say this, to deny the core doctrines of the faith, the core doctrine that Jesus said he came to share, which is from the Father, to deny that, to deny the, the doctrine that Paul writes to Timothy about and says, listen, some people are going to chunk that and they're going to go and seek something else. They're going to seek them, something that will tickle their ear. To deny the core doctrines of the faith that have been written down is to deny Christ himself. But, and this is an important one, just, um, that's not the only way we deny Christ. We don't deny Christ by maybe uh, disagreeing with a creed or not saying a creed or saying we, we can also be people who recite a creed and who know the answers and yet our actions don't measure up. They don't balance out. They, they're not the same. Our words and our actions don't match. Remember that series we did last year on doxy-praxy? We talked about how our right beliefs should match our right practice. And that we want to bring those together as much as possible. Toxic theology is not just about having right doctrine. Here, remember, let's remember the definition. Toxic theology, a false teaching about things of God or a bad practice in the name of God. That causes spiritual illness. See, some people can deny Christ, not necessarily through their doctrine, but through their behavior. So we say the right things, but our behavior doesn't match. And we know this word is simply hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. And I, I really, <laughs> I can't think of anything in the history of Christianity, and I would even go so far as to say it's the history of humanity that has caused more damage than the hypocrisy of saying one thing about who God is and then doing another. Or taking a passage of the Bible and then practicing it out of context. Some of the greatest atrocities that have ever occurred on this planet by human beings have happened because people have had a toxic theology. Toxic theology. People have taken the word of God and held it up and said, this gives me the right to enslave a person whose skin pigment is darker than my own. People have taken the word of God and held it up in a very toxic manner and said, this is the reason that we're going to send millions of people to gas chambers. Toxic theology. I mean, when I say toxic, that is toxic. That is something that has been introduced that will cause spiritual Illness and it will lead to spiritual death if we don't recognize it and do something about it. See, good theology, friends, is not merely stated, it is lived. Good theology is stated and lived, and likewise, toxic theology, you can say whatever you want, but if it's there, it's gonna show up, it's gonna be evident. 
So, we're at the beginning of this. This is the beginning of the series. We were going to give an overview of the series. We wanted to start with the Apostles' Creed and declaring the truths of the church. We wanted to look at what Jesus said about the message he came to bring, which is God's message. We looked at what Paul said to Timothy and said, look, we, we got to understand, like, people are going to, they're going to want, without even realizing it, they're going to seek out something that, that, that they like more than maybe what the, the message of God and so we got to recognize this and understand this and know that this is something we've got, to, we've got to stand up for. We've got to make sure that we ourselves are not receiving and taking in toxic theology. But then we also want to do our part to help others not receive or take in a toxic theology. So we've started this journey. And it is a journey. It is a journey. None of us will arrive on this side of heaven <laughs> to, to the point that we really want to be. But it is a journey that we go towards. We, we go towards it. And so I would hope that with today what we do is we go, okay, toxic theology is real. I think I need to kind of look out for this a little bit. Maybe there's some hints of it in my own life. I hope that we've made some strides in, in highlighting what some of the isms are to watch out for, which we're going to go in much deeper into in the next couple of weeks. We've lifted up the creed. And declared what we believe about who God is. And now we make a little bit of a shift, but not much, to the sacrament of communion. See, the sacrament of communion was introduced to us by Jesus, and he gave it to us for a reason. And when I say sacrament, I mean it is sacred. He wants us to remember. He calls us to remember and to participate in this. This is not just for uh, partners of, of the Porch Community Church. This table is open to all who desire to be in relationship with God. So as we begin to uh, share this sacrament, I'm going to ask the band to go ahead and come out and, and be in place to, to lead us in, 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 in music as we receive communion and then, and then for us to sing together, lift our voices together. But I also want to ask those who are going to be serving you to go ahead and come and prepare, um, and we've asked our journey students to, uh, to serve you this morning, but here's what I want you to do, and, and I know it's when you're watching people move about, but I want, us to, I want you to put your focus on the screen, because as we uh, begin this, I, want, I pulled out just a little bit of the liturgy that we have in our communion service, and I want us to share this together, because it is a confession. As we come to receive this sacred element I would hope that we would be people going, oh, I, don't, I don't want anything within me, God, that, that, that you turn your back on, that you, are, that you, that you have, have pointed out in my life and I haven't dealt with it. I want us to say these words together. These are words of sound doctrine and good theology. And I'm going to say a few words, and then when the words come on the screen, that's for us to say together. So let's begin this. Sacrament of Communion. Christ our Lord invites to this table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Let us say this confession together. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. 
We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this all of you, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. As those who are, well, let's do this together, let's pray real quick. Father, we come before you now as people I hope that have recognized that you are good and you are holy, you are creator of all. There is none greater than you. There is no one greater than you. There is nothing of more importance. There is nothing of greater worth than you. And you have sent Jesus Christ for us. His body broken, his blood poured out for the forgiveness of our sins. He has taken that upon himself so that we might be holy. You've covered over our sin. Lord, your desire is to be in relationship with us so that we could make our way across that, that wide, deep chasm, that canyon that disconnects us because of our unrighteousness. And Jesus makes a way. He makes that bridge for us to connect to you. Lord, I pray through the sacrament of communion together this morning, that we each come humbly. We come as people who have confessed. We come as people who realize that, that you are greater and that perhaps we have put other things, other ideas ahead of you. Lord, would you bring conviction, but would you follow it up with a, with a desire for us to, to reconnect with you and have truth, to have understanding? faith will grow and that our witness will be real in the world we pray all this in the name of Jesus Christ amen amen as those who are um, about to serve you are receiving themselves and preparing to serve you I ask that you would take a few moments in quiet prayer and reflection before you come and receive <clears throat> 